You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the darknet, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down the threats and vulnerabilities, solving some of the hard problems of protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. Uh, What the team noticed as part of the tracking activity was a new .NET-based malware uh, and and the DNS backdoor component that we'll shortly talk about being used for espionage. That's Deepan Desai. He's Chief Information Security Officer and VP of Security Research and Operations at Zscaler. The research we're discussing today is titled Lyceum.NET DNS Backdoor. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Well, let's walk through it together and let's start at the beginning here. I mean, how does someone find themselves victim of this? How do they find their way in? Right. So in this case, I mean, the, the group, uh, the, the campaign that the team discovered was uh, uh, where the, the Lyceum threat actor was leveraging the military affairs as a team. Um, uh, specifically, they were talking about Iran deploys drones to target internal threats and protect external interests. And that was the theme of the lore that was being used uh, to get the victim to click on a link and uh, get the infection chain started. There was a newly registered domain that they were leveraging. As soon as the user clicks on that, provided that they fall for the theme, 
a dropper disguised as a PDF uh, gets downloaded, which further downloads the backdoor, um, which is the .NET uh, DNS backdoor. So just to be clear here, I mean, it starts off with a, a phishing email with, a, you say, sort of a subject-based lure, and then we try to get them to click through and then ultimately deploying that dropper. Exactly. And, and we also saw another variant uh, of the chain uh, where instead of PDF, there was an actual macro document. Uh, but again, it starts with a phishing email containing a link talking about Iran drones. Right? So it could be that. Uh, we also noticed another vendor talk about uh, Russia-Ukraine uh, theme being leveraged early this year by the Lyceum group as well. So it starts with that. The link leads to the dropper payload, which could be a PDF or a macro document. And that's uh, what leads to the final backdoor payload, uh, which is responsible for the espionage activity. So let's talk about that backdoor payload. Um, What exactly goes into that? What is it capable of? Right. So what was interesting about this one was uh, when we looked at the payload, so it it, it hit our cloud sandbox, uh, it was... uh, detonated, we we convicted it as malicious. But when the team started uh, analyzing it, we noticed that majority of the code uh, was picked up from the open source tool dig.net. Dig.net is a uh, open source uh, tool, which is a partial implementation of uh, the Linux dig command. Uh, It's it's not complete implementation, it's a partial implementation, but does DNS resolving functions. Dig is the domain information gropper tool that's uh, part of the Binds software suite. But uh, coming back to the point, majority of the code base was uh, this open source tool, and they customized it um, as part of this uh, backdoor to then uh, leverage it to perform DNS hijacking as well as uh, DNS-based CNC activity. So I, I suppose, uh, I don't know, uh, you, uh, if you were being generous, we could say they're working smarter, not harder. If we were not being generous, uh, maybe a little laziness on their part? <laughs> yeah, this is uh, definitely smarter, right? Because it's a open source tool, um, you know, code bases, majority of it is similar to what the open source tool out there is doing. Uh, the other smarter part over here is leveraging DNS as a channel. Uh, so for those of you that don't know, DNS hijacking is where they're able to uh, manipulate uh, the DNS response queries using an attacker-controlled DNS server. Right. Mm-hmm. So a simple example from a machine where this backdoor is already running, if uh, a user uh, or, or when the malware seems to be going to apple.com, it's actually not going to apple.com, but to an attacker-controlled infrastructure. So in the logs, it may appear that the request is going to apple.com or, or the query is for apple.com, but uh, it's uh, it's being manipulated using the attacker-controlled DNS server. And the second aspect, uh, Dave, if I may add, is where using that same channel, now they're, they're using the DNS text records for command and control activity as well. So what that means is uh, the uh, threat actor, in this case, the Lyceum group guys, are able to send commands to the infected machine to perform things such as upload files, download files, or any other commands. Uh, and the command goes through the DNS channel as well, so using the text records. And then the A records 
are used for exfiltration, which is the response to those commands. So the attacker may execute a command like, show me all the files that exist in certain directory. The output of that will again go through the DNS channel A records where it's all encoded and then sent through the DNS channel. So that helps hide what they're up to here, I suppose. Is it, I mean, is is that an efficient way to do things or is the, the stealthiness more important than the efficiency here? It is, it is more towards the stealth part, like they're trying mm-hmm. to evade detection, right, using this channel. So it's more towards that than efficiency. So what does it appear that they're after here? So this group is known to, you know, maintain persistence uh, in the victim environment. And uh, the goal is uh, cyber espionage. Either they're looking for very specific information and that specific information then gets relayed to the attacker. Uh, In this case, um, I mean, they were using military affairs team. So it's uh, reasonable to assume that some of the government... uh, sector organizations were being targeted. Uh, so in one of the cases, it was the Iranian uh, drone team. Uh, in the other case, uh, as I mentioned, um, it was Russia-Ukraine team where uh, some of the other regions, uh, uh, government sector was being targeted. And how are they maintaining persistence on the machines that they're able to infect here? Yeah, so they will, um, once the user falls for the uh, the phishing email, right? And the link gets downloaded. Uh, in case of PDF uh, or or the macro document, the malicious backdoor will get downloaded and it will use uh, uh, the startup uh, option to basically make sure every time the system reboots, uh, the, the backdoor executes as part of it. So they're able to maintain persistence and... Uh, stay under the radar because the only communication that's going out as a result of this backdoor, as I mentioned, is uh, DNS protocols so on the network layer as well. You're not seeing some suspicious activity. It's all DNS queries. So does, does that mean that uh, they're successful in you know, evading typical endpoint protection? In, in many of the cases, yes, they are able to do that. It's it's not difficult to catch this, but it's how, you know, they keep evolving. Like in this case, you saw them using an open source tool and customizing it enough to carry mm. out their operation. But that that's the cat and mouse game, right? That uh, security industry on the, on the endpoint side is have to play when they evolve certain things. Uh, endpoints at times fail. Many of the cases, endpoints do end up detecting it, uh, you know, hours or day after. So what are your recommendations here? I mean, for in terms of folks best protecting themselves? Yeah, in this case, I mean, the organization, it's, it's critical that you are inspecting. So there are two things. One is, you know, the phishing part where user education is important. Uh, number two part is where when the user ends up clicking on any of these links, uh, right, uh, you need to have that consistent inspection happening, right? whether the Threat actor is using a TLS channel to download that uh, initial dropper and the backdoor or, or something else. Uh, the goal is to inspect and prevent that initial payload from entering your, your endpoints or your environment. The second uh, important piece over here is uh, assume that your controls fail at that first stage. You need to have 
again, inspection for all ports and protocol uh, in order to flag some of the, uh, you know, CNC activity that we talked about as well. In this case, it's uh, using DNS uh, as a channel for both command and control activity as well as data exfiltration. So the point is, have that post-infection activity uh, getting detected and blocked, have the data exfiltration channel uh, getting uh, detected and blocked as well. How do you rank this threat group in terms of their sophistication? So if you look at the payload, it was uh, it was pretty basic. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't... Uh, and, and honestly, that has been the case with many other groups. Uh, mm. But that's a, that's a tricky question, Dave. <laughs> Relative rank the group compared to the others. Right, right. Because it's not necessary. I mean, sometimes simpler can be effective, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was simple, but it was effective. Our thanks to Deepin Desai from Zscaler for joining us. The research is titled Lyceum.net DNS Backdoor. We'll have a link in the show notes. And now, a message from CyberBit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then, you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need CyberBit. CyberBit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills, all using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. CyberBit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com cyberwire. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Rachel Gelfin, Liz Irvin, Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Brandon Karp, Eliana White, Peru Prakash, Justin Sabi, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next week. <laughs>